everyone. Welcome back to Earth on Survival Guide, a podcast for novices and masters alike. I am Dan. My co-host is, of course, Josh. Hello. And on today's podcast, we'll be discussing all things Earth Dawn, both magical, mechanical, and today I believe it's going to be metallurgical because we are talking about weaponsmiths. But yes. if you have any questions after we're done, feel free to email us at edsgpodcast at gmail.com. Where should we dive in? And we're going to try and avoid Forge Blade for as long as possible, because as you said, that could be a whole other podcast in and of itself. Yeah. In section of that. I talent. mean, we'll 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 talk about it a little bit. I will. We'll see what happens. <laughs> try and rein <laughs> myself in. Maybe save that as like an addendum special episode. Josh rants about Forge Blade for 35 minutes. <laughs> oh, you're going you're gonna to turn it down to 35. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. The first character I ever made was an obsidian weaponsmith, and I loved him to death. Played him, I think, three times before that, that group of players I had broke up. So it's near and dear to my heart. I love weaponsmiths as an overall. My yeah. brother even played a troll weaponsmith. So it's, it's one of my favorite disciplines to get to because it's kind of half fighter and half uh, studious entrepreneur. Yeah, there's the the weaponsmith (laughs) fills a a fairly obvious legendary role, like the niche of the craftsman or smith in legend and mythology is pretty obvious. Oh, but it's from Greek mythology. Well, yeah, yeah, just for one example, but the space within RPGs to have craftsmen and smiths be a playable character to Mm -hmm. be a a a focal character like that is pretty rare it's not unheard of earth dawn is not the first or only game to do that but a lot of times the crafting of items and whatnot tends to end up being a sort of secondary role like something that is uh, like set up for characters as in addition to or supplemental to their to their primary role. Mm-hmm. And so having a an archetype, having a discipline in Earth Dawn that is focused on that is pretty special uh, in in that in that space. And, and as someone who in the course of development and working on a couple of different editions has dealt with crafting systems and, and whatnot, I can understand why it is maybe not something that is explored uh, a whole lot just because it, as we will find here, can take a lot of non-active adventuring time. Yes, but that's kind of part of the other facet of Earth Dawn is the non-adventuring time is just as important as the adventuring time. Yeah, the 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 downtime, the period. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of stuff going all the way back to the to the prior editions where training times both to advance in your discipline and to learn skills and to do other stuff takes time and Mm -hmm. you're not, you know, barreling from, from one adventure to the next. Yeah. I, 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 as a game master, I keep a running calendar so I can tell my players, okay, you spent three weeks off training and Mm -hmm. now you're in this month and this and so day and welcome to the passage of time. Your character is now aged a year and so forth. So I've done on, um, I've done that little nitpicking, uh, timekeeping record keeping aspect that uh fourth edition is trying to get away from <laughs> well you know it's 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 still there and it's not 
you know, it didn't go anywhere. Yes. And, and I mean, all of the, the long-term games that I've run have had a, a calendar that I have kept track of and, and kept track of downtime and like, okay, you know, we finished up this adventure. You're back in Barter Town. What do people like want to do as far as their downtime and like basically keeping a spreadsheet with like columns with like the calendar dates going down the the side and then the characters across the top, each of them with their own column and just marking in there what they were doing, you know, on each of the days and like, oh, if they're training, well, then that takes five days and and whatnot. The other thing that that sort of does is if somebody happens to misplace their character or has questions about where things are, you can actually go back and like rebuild their character more or less figuring out where, where things were spent and stuff like that. Yeah. That's, that's more detail than I got into. So kudos. (laughs) All right. Weaponsmiths. So as we've discussed on other uh, discipline builds, the karma ritual didn't really change a whole lot. No. From previous editions. I still, I I find it cool that they have to make something imperfect to know what something perfect is in their actual role. So their karma rituals to make something imperfect and then shatter it at the end to go, Nope, this is not good enough. I just find that a neat thing for a Weaponsmith karma ritual. Yeah. Okay. I, don't, <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I don't, I don't really have a, a whole lot to, to add there. The, the Weaponsmith sort of role as a craftsman, obviously the karma ritual would revolve around that in some faction and yes. it would want to be something that you can do within that sort of block of time. Mm-hmm. And Obviously, you know, something like that is going to be symbolic and ritualistic as opposed to making a real quality item. Yeah. So we can go ahead and skip down to the half magic ability, which is Mm -hmm. weaponsmiths may use half magic when caring for weapons or armor and to recognize different types of weapons and armor used or worn by different name giver races or their creators. And I liken that to kind of like being a car mechanic who's been at it so long, he can tell a carburetor from one car company manufacturer from a different car company manufacturer just, just by sight alone across the yeah. garage. So I, I liken that to what weaponsmiths can do in Earthdawn. Sure. And that relates a little bit to what we were talking about similarly for archers a couple of episodes back. Yes. You know, again, we're not we're, we're looking at a, a true like craft level of creation with individualized mm-hmm. creators rather than massive industrialized production yeah and you know so there will be distinctive marks and and things like that so that will be fairly uh fairly clear to anybody who has some experience with the with the crafts yeah so i i I love that half magic ability it's just kind of a neat little little twist on them there uh so then i think we hit down into these just starting with the uh discipline talents so sure because we've done this before uh and they get a free one craftsman which yeah big d big u and big h they should get something along with sure (laughs) this is this is something that was sort of the the end result of development over the course of of multiple editions and that is in in this case making something that for the weaponsmith at, at least always seemed to be something that fell under their typical half magic ability mm-hmm. potentially like it's something that they should be able to do and and just basically making it an explicit like this is something that they have because half magic is something that's always been a little bit more freeform and nebulous with different game masters and different tables allowing or disallowing certain things based on how they want to handle it and 
much like Troubadour, which we haven't talked about yet, but kind of like Entertainer there, it makes sense that as someone whose primary focus is practicing a particular craft or whatever, that their ability as they advance in circle should increase to go along with that. But requiring them to maybe spend points in skill ranks to do that, where skills aren't really a focus of the system, yes, runs into a, a little bit of a problem. And so... Basically, it's like, well, you know, in, in some of the, like we've talked about with some of the other free things, let's make this an explicit ability that they have to make and, and build. In this case, not just weapons and armor, but in, in their role, you know, it, it's not just that, though they are perhaps more, most famous for doing that, but also to have the ability to do other kind of craftsmen. And that is to say, I'm, I'm thinking more like large scale um, you know, like barrel making or any other kind of, of shoe horses or, or horseshoes or horse. Sort of, yeah. Like, yeah. you know, well, Smith um, started off in, as you know, iron workings way back when to make uh, sure. farm implements. So, you know, and, and, and stuff like that, you know, uh, there are, there are other skills in the game that are considered craftsman skills. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody in a discussion like pointed out map making, for example, is classified as a craftsman skill, but I don't see that something that would fall under the purview of weaponsmith. It's not really, I mean, technically it's a, it's a craftsman skill, but it's not, it's different. I mean, if you want to allow them, yeah, yeah, it, it just doesn't (laughs) seem to, it doesn't seem to fall into the, to what I would consider at least to be the wheelhouse of the weaponsmith. I agree because weaponsmith is usually over a forge with fire and raw materials. Sure. I mean, the, the other, the other direction that you could go with this and it's, is that rather than calling out a separate ability would be to perhaps allow them to use forge weapon or forge blade to make weapons, like to use that as a substitute for the the skill, like craft weapon, um, yeah. and then going on to do that with like forge armor for for armor. Mm-hmm. That that's another possibility that because in a lot of cases the abilities of what talents can do is kind of narrowly defined. I didn't want to go too far in terms of expanding, you know, that, that kind of, that kind of coverage. So this seemed like the, like the best kind of, of middle ground between there, which is explicitly calling out, they have the ability to do this. You don't need to spend extra points above and beyond in order to realistically portray what they should be able to do as they get into journeymen or, you know, or, or higher circles. And you also don't want to give the the player an out to say you shouldn't, not spend points in this because you should be getting better as you go. This is a very right. crucial part of Earth Dawn. So don't slack off on this and bump all your combat skills up and leave your craftsman behind yeah. as a weaponsmith. Here yeah, and it's, and, it's, and it's not even necessarily just that it's a, a necessary part of Earth Dawn, although it is. It's a, nece- it's a necessary part of this particular archetype, yes. right? That you, that you need to have the, the abilities to do the stuff that they should be able to do. Mm-hmm without needing to like saddle them with a whole bunch of extra resource spending for the and and even greater amounts of downtime for the sake of realistic simulation of of how this might actually work you know basically trying to look at that from a from a gameable standpoint it's like mm-hmm. how can we do this without you know basically requiring them to spend a whole lot more stuff than other disciplines like we don't require 
sword masters or, or weaponsmiths or stuff like or weaponsmiths, <laughs> sword masters or warriors or things like that to have yeah. a whole bunch of supplemental skills that they need to supposedly do their job. Yeah. So I agree. The, no, they should get this free skill, uh, free talent. Sorry. It's awesome. In right. The other thing, the other thing that this does is by explicitly kind of calling it out as an ability, as opposed to leaving it into the, into the vague thing of half magic. I've heard a number of stories and have witnessed a couple running demos and whatnot with fourth edition yeah. weaponsmiths that allows some people to be kind of clever in mm -hmm. using that ability to bypass obstacles and whatnot that, that like basically sort of like a, a, a Iron Man engineer kind of like solve the problem by not smashing it, but like hitting it with a hammer <laughs> kind of thing, <laughs> you know, not, not in the, not in the violent, whatever, but okay. We don't have a thief in our party to pick the lock. Well, are the hinges on this side? Can I take my little hammer and whatnot? And like, yeah, take, you know, I'm going like, to do stuff I'm like reverse yeah. engineer this or like kind of kind of deconstruct some things, you know, whatnot and where and where that doesn't double up with existing abilities. Like I probably wouldn't allow a weaponsmith to use craftsmen to, say, disarm a trap because there is a specific talent that does that. Yes. You know, trying to to protect a certain amount of niche protection. <laughs> but you know, if it's a purely mechanical trap, you know, depending on how things yeah. are set up, I, I could certainly and see an argument for, for allowing it. Yeah, get a high enough roll. You know, you may require some extra successes on that because this mm -hmm. is not up your alley entirely. So I'd, I'd change your difficulty number. Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. So, okay. Free, uh, first circle, free talent done. Durability of five because, again, they're not a frontline fighter, but they're not a, a yeah. magician either. So it's in that middle ground there. Right. That specialist, specialist yeah, zone. Totally. And they have a karma. Uh, they can burn karma on point on any test to craft or repair an item again, yep. right up their alley as it should be right up their alley. And this does allow them if they are using craftsman, which is effectively a talent and allows them to spend karma, they could spend a second point of karma on it. Mm -hmm. Basically meaning that for the most part, especially if you're dealing with mundane items and stuff, that's got low, target numbers in terms of the difficulty or, or whatnot to yeah. really like, you know, be able to do what they're supposed to do and do it. Well, mm -hmm. this is absolutely the big bucks. So, all right. Discipline talents, forge weapon. Yes. Kind of a big duh. <laughs> that's, that's been around since the first edition. And we said we weren't going to go down and down that rabbit hole just exactly. yet. So congratulations. It's there. And we're going to leave it there. It increases damage of weapons. Uh, it was originally called Forge Blade, but it works on any kind of, of weapon. Yeah. So it, it's basically a, a scaling damage adder on, that is limited in a few ways and has seen a, a few different <laughs> changes over the years as attempts to balance it in relation to other things have, have been have tried. Yeah. So item history. And I, I love the fact that weaponsmiths get the item history. Like I yeah. said, like the mechanic across the garage, you can say, oh yeah, that's the carburetor from a 50 something Packard or whatever not. So sure. I think they should get something along those lines. Yeah. Well, they did, history. they did all the way back in first edition. They got weapon history, yes. which yes. is, which is similar. It's a, it was a little bit narrower in that it could only be used on weapons. I don't remember offhand whether it could be used on armor as well, but so. like if you had a, you know, a magical brooch, the weaponsmith wouldn't be able to, to do anything with it. There was, so 
you know, again, in the in the course of various editions as attempts to somewhat streamline the 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 talent choices uh, a little bit. That was one of the early changes to basically roll weapon history into item history and give it to weaponsmiths the same way that it was given to, to troubadours and is an option for a couple of other disciplines. Yeah, I'm just looking up because I had coincidentally happened to have my first edition book next to me for weapon history. So yeah, so so weapon history was first circle for if I'm recalling correctly, weapon history was first circle for weaponsmith was not a discipline talent for them. So they couldn't spend karma on it. Whereas item history or maybe it was the other way around. Weapon history required karma. Right. Right. Uh, But was it was it discipline? This was not for Whippensmith only, yes. It is discipline. Okay, so so item history was the one that was not... So, flashback to old stuff. Yes, old it stuff. Requi- <laughs> it required karma, but because it was a discipline talent for Whippensmiths, who were the only discipline that got it, it actually mm-hmm. meant that they had the choice whether to spend karma or not. Yeah. Which meant that item history was the one that was not discipline for troubadours and mm-hmm. did require karma... Um, and so that's the it one was you had to use to find anything out about armor because weapon history did not, only says things about weapons, but nothing about armor. So, OK, yeah, there there might have been a knack that was developed later to allow that. I think so. But yeah, like that, that was sort of one of the things I think that that came about in the, the various development of that was, well, if weaponsmiths can do stuff with armor, why can't their history talent yes. find out things about armor as well? It was one of those it needed to be. And I hate to use the term yeah. piecemeal together, pun not intended, uh, <laughs> for piecemeal armor. I like the clarification and the melding of things that have happened in fourth edition for the weaponsmiths, especially along the lines of item history. It's the just, item history change was not original to fourth edition. I think no. that was done in third. It might have even been done in second, Maybe. if I'm recalling correctly, but I don't have that book okay. handy to we're double not check. get too deep into the weeds on that one because we're here for fourth. That's right. <laughs> And then, of course, so we've, yeah, Forge Weapon Item History, Melee Weapons, or Melee Weapons, if you want to do the proper French pronunciation, which I never yeah. do. Obviously, you know, with their focus on weapon crafting and, and weapons and weaponsmith, they yeah. get, that's that's their close combat ability, is their ability to use melee weapons. Yes. Pretty, so, pretty straightforward. Big D, big U, big H. And then I've always loved the fact that weaponsmiths get Steel Thought. Yeah, we talked about Steel Thought previously in terms of the changes that it went through in, in other editions where it was originally a, a mystic armor enhancer as opposed to a mystic or an originally spell defense yes. um, enhancer. But keeping it them as a as an early talent is fairly distinctive and has always been something that was part of the, the weaponsmith flavor, even though the exact mechanic of how it is has changed. Yes. Yeah, no, I that's that's what they've got. Yeah, I love the fact that they get to keep it there. Uh, and then, of course, the thread weaving threadsmithing so we're good mm-hmm. there so i have no issues with first circle talents second circle they get uh, a mystic defense bonus but then they have the discipline talent of conversation because yep. again you go higher weaponsmiths a lot in fact you can insert the line here from the george clooney movie or oh, brother where art thou as he hops on the train any of you boys smithies because he wants to get the leg chains off right <laughs> so gotta have some conversation yeah and 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 weaponsmiths are a social Discipline, not to the extent, perhaps, or, or in the same way that troubadours or, or swordmasters might be, but yes. they are in a lot of places, and the sort of flavor text for them has kind of supported this over the years. That they are oftentimes 
well-regarded and if not, you know, not necessarily like the leaders of a community, but an important person, you know, that, that is, you know, in, in charge or, or looked to for guidance or advice or things like that. And so there is definitely a, a social aspect of that. Um, and yes. so the convert, the conversation being the sort of broadly, um, useful, Social talent absolutely is right up their alley in that regard. And they're one of the very few that actually engage in outright commerce as part of the yeah. discipline, along with the troubadour, because they can mm -hmm. perform and get they can get money. So yeah, the weaponsmith needs to be hired. And again, as the as the, one of the pillars of the community, they had farm implements that they needed to take care of and yep. fashion. So yeah, they obviously are an integral part of uh, society. Third circle, they get karma point on recovery tests. Mm -hmm. No issue. Uh, and then they get suppress curse, which I think is renamed from abate curse. Yeah, I think, again, this is this is something that popped up when we talked about wizard abate curse originally only dealt with curses like on items. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those that if you don't have cursed items show up much, if at all, in your game, then it's a mm -hmm. talent that's not doing anything. Yes. Um, and so it was expanded a little bit to be to take over a little bit of the territory that was covered by Dispel Magic in earlier editions mm -hmm. to allow it to um, temporarily suppress other magical effects, not only curses, but also, you know, like debuff spells and things like that that, that might yeah. be affecting people or or powers from from creatures and whatnot. Mm -hmm. and kind of plays into the, one of the one of the things that's not really ex, not really explicit so much in the like flavor text for them so much but it's fairly clear when you look at the like talent selections that they have over the years yeah is that the the weaponsmith was always very defensively oriented mm -hmm. like a lot of their talents and so forth were really geared towards support and defense and you know, suppress curse obviously fits right into that idea. Yeah, hence your your previous statement in another podcast that weaponsmiths were tanks. Yeah, yeah, that they that they certainly <laughs> they certainly had that had that potential in terms of the the talents that they had uh, and were able to bring to bear. Definitely. Again, my first character, I like him a lot. Uh, fourth circle wound balance, not a big change from their progression of talents from earlier editions, and no. also incredibly helpful. It's a decent. Um, sort of defensively aligned talent that allows the weaponsmith to sort of be sturdy and not be knocked down um, in the face of physical assault. Yeah, and plus he gets a plus one physical defense, so they go yeah. hand in hand, literally, at fourth circle. So let's go to the options, because that's everyone's fun part. Avoid blow, and that's just, yeah, everyone needs to. Yeah, um, <laughs> you know, no, no real, I mean, it's something that they should get fairly early and no real space to put it in as a discipline talent. Yeah. But I imagine if you are taking an approach with a weaponsmith that is more combat oriented, it's a, it's a natural pick for, for an early option. Absolutely. And, and combines really well in that regard with steel thought. So you've got both your physical and your, your mystic reaction defenses. Especially if you take it for a circle. Yeah. You're in good shape. And of course, awareness. So avoid blowing awareness are almost like the big D, big U, and big H of everybody. Yeah, um, we, we've talked about awareness. You know, with the with the weaponsmith as a sort of community minded individual and somebody that may be looking for you know on the, on the lookout for for protection of of the place that they call home. Yeah, being able to spot trouble 
is worthwhile, which ties, of course, right into their next option, which is Danger, Danger Sense. Yes. Love um, both of those. Because I think, because Weaponsmith is supposed to notice Nick's cuts, abrasions, polish them out, or smooth them out with a whetstone, and, you know, make things as perfect as possible for Weaponsmith, because it is the art of things, uh, mm-hmm. as well as the functionality of things. He's not trying to put lace on a bowling ball, you know, it's right. functional first and form later. But awareness, I think, would do a good service to all of that, uh, just visual perception as far as, or even auditory, because if the, if the metal yeah. doesn't sing properly, quote unquote, uh, doesn't sing properly when it's finally forged and ready, it's the harmonics are not going to work for the weapon. It's going to have a flaw in it. And then, yes, danger sense is just a wonderful thing to have. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, well. it's a, it's a, it's a decent defensive sort of reaction type ability. Again, kind of playing into that theme mm-hmm. uh, of things. Yeah, they should they should know that if the shield they're making is is defensively capable, they should have a good sense of danger uh, as well. So just know when some, okay, I know now I need to draw my sword. So, mm-hmm. so just instead of continuing to forge it, draw it now. And they do get disarm traps. They, they they do get it as an option because mm-hmm. it makes sense as craftsmen, as tinkerers and whatnot that that should be something that would be available for them yeah. um, if they if they want to go that route. So harking back to 15 minutes ago when Josh explained they, that. <laughs> definitely, yeah, definitely does not, definitely is not something that needs to be in their discipline talent selection that all of them have. But for, for a certain approach, it, it, if you're going with more of a sort of tinkerer type, um, it, yes. it's absolutely, especially, again, if your group doesn't have a thief, it uh, might be worthwhile to, um, if, if you're going to be running a game that's going to be running into that, might be worthwhile to, to yes. have. I love the next one, and I would have to research my other earlier editions to see if this was ever in their uh, talent list, but fire blood I think makes perfect sense because they do work around a fire all day long. Right. You've got the, you've got the forge, you've got the hearth and, and the, the heat and so forth that goes with that. And the ability to draw strength from that, or again, fire blood, looking at it as, as sort of a defensively aligned type thing where mm-hmm. you're, where you're healing and recovering yourself um, seems to be good again as an option. Um, if you're going with a with a more combat oriented build for a weaponsmith is is one to that's that's worth looking at. Yeah, I would even as a game master, uh, well, as as a player for a weaponsmith, I would beg my game master to make Fireblood the discipline talent at second circle and take out conversation. That's just me. <laughs> but that's that's the character I want to make. <laughs> so and then, they, of course, you have first impression and haggle, yep. I think, go hand in hand, really. Yeah, both both social social talents that that work really well. You know, first impression, not quite as important as conversation, I, I don't think, in terms of its, um, you know, in terms of its role in, in the, the weaponsmith being a little bit more solid and dependable and long term, as opposed to looking to make that that really big splash right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. But absolutely, it is something um, particularly perhaps if you're if you're looking at a sort of, again, itinerant tinker type. Uh, weaponsmith who might be rather than having a, a a town that he is based out of being more of a of a nomadic type that maybe is doing the rounds of, of an area mm-hmm. you know having that first impression to be able to uh make it a little bit easier to fit into whatever community he might be coming across and then haggle obviously the weaponsmith is a businessman and mm-hmm. there is a a certain amount of you know fiduciary <laughs> role that goes along with that. Um, so haggle is a, is a natural fit. Again, one of those things that in a first edition style where you've got all of the, all of the talents laid out 
specifically at each circle is going to show up somewhere in that early progression. Yes. But where you're looking at the the options for from the later edition design paradigm doesn't really have a space, but absolutely should be there for those who, who want to take it. Agreed. And, and whether you pick it up or not for your weaponsmith will depend in part on what the rest of the group is doing. Mm-hmm. And and whether it's it's worth picking up or how much overlap you're going to have for your group's abilities. Yeah, so I like it as an option because if you're not doing a lot of that commerce back and forth as a weaponsmith, mm-hmm. um, then yeah, it's it's in earlier editions I felt like I I didn't get a chance to do that much as far as the role playing was concerned. So I'm like I'm spending points on haggle for almost no reason. Comes into play yeah. seldomly, so I agree with it being an option. Uh, if that's the way your game is leaning, great. If not, then optionize that the whole nine yards uh, i'm gonna put two of them together and skip one for a second so we have read and write language and speak language so again for for a social sort of community-based discipline those are those are two talents that just make a lot of sense um speak language obviously you know the ability to um, be able to magically communicate with people in different communities that might not for whatever reason speak the common tongue or mm-hmm. their dialect might have drifted or something along those lines yes. um read and write language you know there is a a certain scholarly bent to the to the weaponsmith um being able to to like look at old records and whatnot perhaps not to the same degree that say a troubadour or a wizard might be mm-hmm. Um, but definitely both are, you know, the language talents, again, a lot of this stuff that we're going through here for this is, you know, the, the, the weaponsmiths are there, you know, it's, it's fulfilling that, that yeah. role. And, or And sometimes as part of the craftsmen, they're actually asked to inscribe runes on weapons, mm-hmm. armor and whatnot. So they have to know the languages and proper spellings <laughs> of, those, of those things as well. Because it's like the, the Snickers commercial uh, where you're spelling... <laughs> Getting getting tattoos getting with the tattoos. things misspelled. Yes. Uh, and then, of course, the last one is shield bash, which I just love as an offensive. Yeah, because it's, it's, with melee weapons, they should know they're going to make shields as well. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, so so there's that. There's the understanding of, of using the shield. It is a, a little bit of a talent sort of designed for the more combat oriented direction of a weaponsmith, mm-hmm. if that's the way you're going to go. But where, as, as, we, as we've kind of seen... The weaponsmith doesn't get a lot of real, like, offensive combat enhancing stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they, they get melee weapons. They get fire blood, sort of. Which, again, but it's that's not offensive. Shield bash is sort of the, the, the closest, the like, booster, <laughs> booster in there. You know, yeah, basically you using that to, to knock down and, and kind of control the battlefield. Yeah, uh, in a in sense, the first four circles. That's the only two offensive things you get. Right. So that you make the most of them as, as you can. So yes, by all means, have a melee weapon and a shield bash talent, and you can have maybe two attacks. So go from mm-hmm. there. Uh, okay. So into well, shield shield bash is not an additional attack. Sorry. A lot of people think about that as as like it's an additional attack. Shield bash is a damage test replacement. Mm-hmm. So you would still use melee weapons to attack with your shield. So you'd roll your normal melee weapons and then shield bash is basically the effect test from that. And that sets the difficulty to knock the opponent down. So, um, it's so that awesome. that is, yeah, it is. It is not. It does not grant you an extra attack. It allows you to use your shield and enhances basically an attack to knock down using your shield to do it. And that is your survival guide podcast tip of the week. There you go. <laughs> 
Be- because anybody who has played some Earth Dawn Combat, as anybody who has played any amount of Earth Dawn Combat will know, being knocked down <laughs> is bad, and knocking down your enemies is good. Good. Yes. That is, I love those mechanics alone. Especially, especially if the person you are knocking down is an enraged cadaver man. Yes. The Berserker, I, oh, I hate those. You you, well, you knock them down, then they are penalized trying to attack you from the ground, or they spend their action getting up. Yes, but I do love the Berserkers on the Game Master side of the screen, because that's the well, part. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> Go from one attack per turn to four. It's awesome. Yeah, just Berserker Rage. Great. Uh, okay, fifth circle. They get the Traveling Smithy, mm-hmm. which is always fun. To strain, the Adept uses magic to create an improvised forge, provided he has the minimum requirements necessary fire, working metal, so forth and so on. I just think that's an awesome idea that they don't have to carry an anvil with them everywhere they go. The, the yeah, there, there are some abilities that they have that require them to work at a forge. Mm-hmm. And for the typical adventuring weaponsmith, that is not always possible. Yeah. And so once they, once they hit journeymen, they have enough of the, of the weaponsmith magic about them that mm-hmm. they can convert, you know, they can, they can kind of, put together a a makeshift forge wherever they happen to be. Obviously it doesn't work as well as the real thing. There's a penalty that applies to any of the tests that are made using that, Mm -hmm. but it would allow in a situation where, you know, we, we need to like, we've got a little bit of time beforehand. I want to like, while other people are preparing, I'm going to like enhance some weapons or whatever, or repair some gear or whatever. Yeah. That, that needs to be done, but, oh, we're out in the wilderness and don't otherwise have the, the wherewithal to do it. Mm-hmm. So, no, I like it. it. It makes sense for the nomadic, as you said, adventuring party. So that just works in nicely yeah. to the storylines. Uh, they also get a, uh, they can spend now a point of karma on damage tests he makes with a weapon they crafted. Yes, and a lot of people, I think, extend that to mean weapons not necessarily that they created from scratch but have done some work on say with the forge blade or the forge weapon talent or something yes. like that mm-hmm. um which is fine i i don't know that i have uh, a strong opinion <laughs> yeah i don't i don't have a, i don't have a problem with that you know again getting into to my feelings on crafting systems and whatnot <laughs> that that it just it takes up a lot of time yeah. and if it if it's only um, you know, because then you can then you run into problems with, well, OK, the weaponsmith has picked up a ha- happens to have a like a, a thread sword, a magic mm-hmm. sword that they picked up. Well, he didn't make that sword. Somebody else made that however long ago. Oh, clearly. Is he going to basically do away with his ability to spend karma on damage because of, you know, because of that? Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think that that's particularly, you know. He would he would need to have done some work on it, um, but yeah. Otherwise, you know. Oh no, sorry. This ability that you get um, is no longer allowed <laughs> because you you got a new toy. Um, yeah. You know, seems to toy. be a little bit or or yeah or an old <laughs> toy as the case may be. <clears throat> you know, it it just seems a little bit unfair, um, <laughs> a little bit troublesome to basically. Oh no, sorry, you can't use this ability anymore because you found something cool that you want yes. to use. You can't use that ability on the sword you're going to use to try and split that hair on the rule. So, <laughs> uh, and then so yeah, fifth circle they finally get the forge armor talent, and I think it's a proper place for it. Yeah. So so I forge armor like was circle? a talent that was available much later <laughs> in first edition. 
I don't even know that it was available that early. It might not have been available until... Hold on, oh, I'm, I'm listening to my okay, first edition yeah. book here right now. No, no, it wasn't even available in the first eight circles of, um, of first edition. Like, yeah, so so it wasn't available in, until the companion. Yeah, so... It was moved earlier. Um, it was moved earlier, sooner than fourth edition, in part just to give people an, an opportunity to play it um, for a couple of reasons. One, it's actually not really that common, I don't think, for games right. to actually get into those warden and master tiers. Right. the The amount of time that it takes and the amount of legend points required to advance to that point. Ditto. I. I I have run <laughs> multiple long-term games of Earthdawn, you know, lasting years. And like in all of the cases that I have had, the games tended to peter out around eighth or ninth circle. I have been running the same group of characters now for 10 or almost 15 years. Cause my, it started when my daughter was born. She's 15 now and they haven't made it past eighth. So I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> and my, I, my, my list, my players are listeners that are like, hallelujah. Yeah. It's just, it takes a long time to get there. You know, I, I, I am aware of, of one game that started basically when the original like promo flyers were released back yes. in 93. And while not like regularly meeting every mm -hmm. week or whatever is actually still an ongoing single campaign to this day. Congratulations. And so, and so has had, you know, has had multiple characters that actually have achieved like, yes, really, really high circles. But again, you're talking about something that's 30 years, 35, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, that's going, uh, that's, that's, that's a, that's a long time. That, that is a, that is a long time. And that is Andrew Raglan's campaign. Oh yeah. One of the developers on 1879. The, yeah, the, developer, the the lead developer for 1879. But yeah, his, his Earth Dawn game has more or less been ongoing since the game was originally his... released and has had like generations up, you know, like subsequent and new characters coming in. And it's it, it's a it's a it's a sprawling yes. epic. Um, it's, remember, it's amazing to hear I, of. I but his stuff, been you know, Earth Dawn journal and his rules on playing an orc. That's where I know yeah. Andrew from way, way back when. Been a, right. been a big yeah, fan yeah, for yeah. So so but. I, I honestly think that that sort of thing is tends to be like I have heard stories of other characters kind of being that high, but I but it's not very common. Um, and also on top of that, it, if you think about the demographics of how many adepts yeah. there are, and I would think if you're going to be doing that realistically, there are probably more weaponsmiths mm -hmm. than some other disciplines in existence and so you would potentially have more but even then given the percentage of how many potential adepts there are according to information from old materials yeah. and stuff like that you're still not looking at a lot mm -hmm. of them and so the the forged armor talent just basically would not be something that would come into play which may be intent which which from a certain standpoint can be yeah. intentional, like mm -hmm. that's fine. But, but at that point, and again, trying not to go down the rabbit hole of forge blade, you, you like, basically you've got the forge blade as a damage enhancer and forge armor as a yes. counter to that. When you've got a big sort of gap in between the availability mm -hmm. of those damage starts to outstrip yes. armor potential. And you look at the same kind of thing that you had as a potential problem with, previous editions and the way that armor defeating mm -hmm. hits worked, which was that beyond a certain point, armor just wasn't worth yeah. it. You know, 
is, is that the amount of protection that armor could provide in relation to the amount of damage that could come out and your physical defense and the chance that a high attack is going to completely bypass your mm-hmm. armor anyway, it all just kind of snowballs together into a, well, here's a talent that would potentially be really, really useful to help with that sort of game balance mm-hmm. situation, but it's really, it's generally speaking, not yeah. available. Um, and so, you know, moving it earlier, you know, it, it shifts it shifts the balance somewhat. Armor is a little bit more important in fourth edition as far as the numbers go than it was mm-hmm. in previous editions. Um, and so allowing that as a counterbalance to the damage boosting potential of Forge Blade, especially with some of the changes that were implemented to kind of roll it back to more of a first yeah. edition style... Again, not to go down that rabbit hole. Um, I've, I've been edging there. I've been edging there. I also there. figure it's just forge, forge armor needs to move, needed to be moved up because if you have a party of, say, five or six characters walking into town and they come across a forge and the game master has to play the NPC of the weaponsmith, you're going to get three or four people dropping by a sword or a dagger or whatnot to be worked on. And maybe one of them has some armor to you know, thick a nick or a scratch or a cut or something like that. So eventually right. they're going to need to get to that a little bit sooner than sure. oh, my eighth circle weaponsmith master can finally get to that or ninth or sorry, ninth circle, maybe get to that earlier, whatever it came up with. Yeah. How, how soon can you get there? Yeah. My understudy, the kid at the forge, who's learning this, the, the literally the journeyman or the apprentice. Ah, forge 12th. armor. I just grabbed the companion off to 11th. You were close. 11th <laughs> circle. That, that is, is a hike. That, that is, is up a there. Hike to get to, and as far as points yeah. are concerned and time. So no, I'm. I, I agree. Forge armor needed to be a whole lot sooner. I like it here at uh, fifth. I'm fine with that. That makes fifth sense. circle because your first two or three circles are pretty darn yeah. quick. Fourth, you hang around in for a while. We finally get to fifth. Yeah. Go, oh, now I know what this character's all about. You got the groove in. You know everything and all the dance moves. You're fine. You're fine. So yeah, fifth circle. Forge yeah. armor makes absolute sense to me. So we can avoid the rabbit hole. Uh, there we are. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> six circle, they get a, uh, now a plus two to mystic defense. And this is where the math gets weird for people. It's not an additional two on top of mystic defense, right? It's just right. They, their total bonus is now a two. Their total bonus is, a, is now a plus two. And, and the, at the beginning of the chapter, it is made explicit that the highest bonus is yes. what applies. So, so, so effectively, you get an additional plus one, bringing your total bonus to plus two. Yeah, just uh, for the sure mystic for defense. Who can't reference their books while they're driving and listening on the bus. Uh, <laughs> so, but uh, six circle talent, they get temper flesh, and if they're tempering metal along the way for armor, weapons, and shields, why shouldn't they be able to temper their flesh? Yeah. It's a magical ability that makes perfect sense to me. Yep, it's it's a yeah, it's a it's a it's another defensive ability, and basically the weaponsmith makes a test. And then adds his rank in temper flesh to uh, both his death and unconsciousness ratings as well as his wound threshold um, for I a day. Very few talents that ever affects a wound threshold. Yeah, there there aren't I a lot of them. Two. Um, the second one, so it's a very you know. short list. But yeah, I like yeah. temper flesh as far as that's concerned. Uh, again, sort of expanding the the thought of the weaponsmith as a sort of defensive, as someone who is enhancing and supporting and, mm-hmm. and protecting again, like, Hey, let's add even more to their like sort of tankiness, their ability to, <laughs> to stand there and, and take abuse as they get into their, um, into their journeyman, um, their journeyman levels. And that is your earth on survival guide. New word of the week. Tankiness. 
Uh, so onto seventh circle, plus one to mystic armor for the first time. So we'll take that as well. And I like the fact that their yeah. mystic armor is naturally enhanced because again it's magical, and they should enhance yep. their armor because they're a weaponsmith. So just layers upon layers of sure de facto, it should happen. Yeah, and I mean you'll you'll see we we hadn't really been talking about those those bonuses for the other disciplines, but you'll find that most of the disciplines that have a kind of mystical bent mm-hmm. to them will be getting a bonus to mystic armor yeah. somewhere in there. But, but I think most magicians get a bonus to mystic armor somewhere somewhere in this I, range as well, if not yeah. sooner, depending on the we've discipline. Covered a lot of the, the talents before in other in other recordings. I figured we yeah. okay, we know what avoid blow does and awareness does we've covered those already so listen to them in order not alphabetical order uh and so we can kind of talk about the bonuses a little bit because the, the again the whippensmith i just think is very very cool like i said my first character ever yeah but seventh circle to get spot armor flaw and i think that also is a rapid more rapid progression for them to get that because i think that took a while to get to last time um spot armor flaw was uh, yeah, i'm the, not gonna look it up but it, it was available <laughs> You know, fairly early. It, it's, again, one that sort of makes sense for the weaponsmith. They work with this stuff. They would be able to, like, take advantage yes. of that knowledge. Um, this is this is another, off- like, combat offensive mm-hmm. type talent, um, but not one that is so it, as blatant as, say, Crushing Blow yeah. or something like that. It is one where they use their knowledge of the craft and mm-hmm. stuff like that to, you know, overcome... Their enemies, their yes. targets, weaknesses. Or, so let's go know. over the difference, because I think in the other editions, before 4th edition, because uh, Spot Armor Flaw affected their ability to do an armor-defeating hit. They got one level lower, unless I'm reading that. Uh, that's, a, that's a possibility. Um, I, you're making me look <laughs> it up now, man. Spot Armor Flaw. No, actually, it was a damage adder. Really? Add a damage step bonus equal to the character's rank in spot armor flaw to all attack tests made against the opponent. Yep. So it's just a a straight up. It's just a a straight up damage adder in original. Um, In fourth edition, (laughs) I don't know. Um, There's there was um, it might have been one of the like the the higher circle talents that that did that like critical hit that or something along been. those lines okay. that would reduce the 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 level required for an armor Fair. defeating hit but spot armor flaw in in fourth edition specifically targets and reduces the targets armor because you no longer have armor defeating hits in in the same yeah. sense reducing their actual armor rating and therefore doing more damage as a result mm-hmm. of that um, it, it does suffer from the problem of if the target does not have any armor, it doesn't do anything for Fair. you. Like, it doesn't actually add to your damage directly. It adds to your damage by reducing how much your damage is yes. reduced. So, no... Uh, if that, if you followed the... <laughs> train? <laughs> the, 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 like, breakdown of that. Let us diagram that sentence for you. By lowering the amount of damage that is re- that is taken anyway yes so the circular um, but but from a yeah but but from a like flavor standpoint Mm -hmm. and kind of maybe alluding to the question that we had last time about well what's the difference between downstrike and and crushing Mm -hmm. blow where one seems to be more powerful like there are damage enhancing talents that are more effective in certain circumstances than spot armor flaw but spot armor flaw seems like super in flavor for the weaponsmith. Totally. And so its shortcomings don't strike me as anything that's bad. 
um, in the in the same way that spot armor flaw for archers, where that's based on their perception, their ability to see those weak mm-hmm. points, um, as opposed to just being you know more powerful to to, to punch yeah, through so. it. Um, so like absolutely in flavor, and the fact that it might not do as much. Again, weaponsmiths aren't necessarily like frontline power combatants. No. So no uh, slaying uh, unarmed peasant or unarmored peasants. None of that. None of that now. <laughs> well, they'll, they'll still do it. They just won't use this talent to, to enhance their damage so, at all. You know, have at it. Otherwise, we're looking at you weird if you do. Eighth circle. So the first half, otherwise, another mystic defense bonus, and then Lionheart. Yes. Actually, before mm-hmm. we do that, I, I was just flipping Spot Armor Flaw in fourth edition is actually a direct damage adder. Oh, cool. So forget what all of that I was saying about, like, oh, it's limited. No, it is basically... Just a, just a, it's, it's not a damage adder the way that crushing blow is. Mm-hmm. They basically make a test and it provides you bonus damage based on the number of successes. Yeah. So it, it doesn't actually, it is not actually restricted in any way by the opponent's armor. So whatever Josh said, first. all of that stuff, all of that stuff that I was just saying about spot armor flaw, um, I might've been talking about like the third edition version of that, which might have had some kind of restriction based on their armor that we got rid of. This is the problem when you have been playing the game (laughs) or um, this is the problem that you run into when you have been playing the game through multiple editions. Memory gets a little fuzzy. And at the same time as working as a developer and some talents seeing iterations like three or four different versions as we try and hammer it into a shape (laughs) that works. You know, even now, after it having like the the final version having been out for a few years, I lose track of what we're actually. That's doing. okay. So, so a thousand legend points to whoever can actually find out what Josh just said and send it to us <laughs> and where it came from. I'm kidding. I'm absolutely kidding. That doesn't matter. <laughs> but yeah. So yeah, no, it's 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 more it's more or less a damage adder, just not as direct as like crushing yes. blow. So uh, and then finally, eighth circle, uh, as we said, Lionheart. And Lionheart. I always always have to look that one up because I can't remember ever what it does because it takes so long for it. Yeah, basically, <laughs> basically, it, I mean, basically, what it is is it's it's a it's a, an enhancement to willpower when you are making when when a spell or effect allows you to make a willpower test to shake mm. it off. Um, commonly, these are like fear effects and things yeah. like that. Lionheart basically enhances your willpower for the purposes of doing that. It's a, I mean, it's again, it's a defensive yeah. talent going into the theme of like the solid, unshakable, reliable, Tankiness. like, you know, village, village smith, um, having that ability to, to resist fear and similar kind of magical yeah, and be the stalwart effects, the stalwart, uh, you know, st- stalwart. That's a great word. We hadn't had that <laughs> word yet, but yes, that is a very appropriate yes. word for, for that. So, you know, again, some, all of these things that, that we've been are, are really in flavor for the style of, of, of the weaponsmith yeah. as a, as a sort of defensive type character with, with some social underpinnings and a little bit of, with, with some, some social overtones and a little bit of scholarly stuff thrown yeah, in there so as well. I cannot spot any flaws in the discipline talent layout for weaponsmiths, but let's get to the journeyman options because we don't want to forget those at all. Nope. First one's battle shout, which I think is also a good supplementary talent to have for not a frontline fighter because this is supposed to boost everybody. Um, well, no battle Battle shout Shout is actually the one that battle shout is the, so you've got battle shout and battle bellow battle shout is the, is the, is novice for sky raiders. Um, it's the one that it's sort of like taunt in that it provides penalties to your target, the person that you're yes. yelling at. 
And so again, to sort of like, it's, it's, if you're going with a sort of, um, combat oriented direction for your, for your weaponsmith, it's one that that's potentially worth looking at. And I always, just as, as, you know, yeah, battle, battle bellow is the one that, that helps. Yeah. Battle bellow does kind of the same thing, but also helps, um, enhance your, your allies as well. Uh, as I, that's why they written, wrote them down so I could look them up and get them right every single time. Cause I have to look them up every <laughs> single time. And then diplomacy, I think goes along with the first impression and the haggle and the conversation. It's just one of those. Yeah. Um, d- diplomacy is the, like it's not available at novice tier. It's available at journeyman tier and is a good, again, if you're looking at the weaponsmith as a community leader or important person in a community, having the ability to negotiate between feuding parties or whatever is is certainly um, something that would be within their purview. Yes, stopping a land dispute between this farmer and that farmer or whose cattle is whose, all that. Yeah, absolutely. Earth skin, one of my absolute favorites. Yeah, um, weaponsmiths don't get wood skin, um, which is a related yes. talent, but because they get temper flesh, which does a similar kind of thing in terms of boosting damage yes. ratings or your your the character's mm-hmm. health ratings, um, earth skin is sort of a supplement to that and that it also provides a bonus to mystic defense yes. on top of the other stuff that it does. And so, you know, again, with their with their ties to metal and forging and enhancement, it's a decent defensive mm-hmm. ability um, and seems to be kind of in flavor with them, where wood skin, maybe not quite so much, because that seems a bit more wildernessy. I, I do. I absolutely agree entirely with that one. And then, of course, etiquette, because that goes along with the diplomacy and the haggle and the conversation. Yep. So there's 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 more there's more social exactly. stuff. Uh, so they're literally about a third of a social character uh, discipline than. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of social stuff in the weaponsmith. Yes. And we'll we'll get to that, I think, in sort of our capstone of like what you're looking at and, and whatnot. But yeah, there, there's absolutely a strong social aspect. Again, they are a community yes. figure. Um, and so there's a lot of that that is that is involved. And while the talents have a lot of overlap, say, with the troubadour, who has a lot of these same social mm-hmm. abilities, the direction and the flavor of them as as you sort of role play them and how they would express these abilities um, can be very different. Yes. And I think leading to the next one, fire heal, which is different from yeah. If from, you're gonna uh, uh, yeah, fire, fire heal, blood. fire heal is a yeah, fire heal is a talent that allows you to gain additional recovery tests. Like you build a fire and you jump into the fire and you try and basically draw on the power of the fire to give you additional recovery yes. tests. Elementalists mm-hmm. get this. Uh, it is available as an option to a couple of other. Um, disciplines yeah. as well but if you've got fire blood mm-hmm. having fire heal and being able to give yourself more recovery tests that you can use to power fire blood yes. later on during yes. the day is is very useful fire heal is also particularly useful for to to like kind of go slightly afield mm-hmm. here a questor of garland oh, there you go absolutely like having fire heal for a questor of garland is nice because several of their abilities um, allow them to spend their own recovery tests to give somebody else a recovery test. I should have put that in the but, essay. But, you know, the elementalists. <laughs> <laughs> you wrote that. That's right. I you, did, so I you did wrote the, the, the Garland essay. essay. Yes. 
And um, and I mean, elementalists are are good with that as well, because they've got a spell called Grove Renewal that allows them that a recovery test needs to be spent for each target of the spell to benefit Mm -hmm. from it. And having Fire Heal where the elementalist can spend those recovery tests on behalf of the people that they're targeting is also worthwhile. So, you know, it's it's definitely something to look at as a potential if you are going to be in a situation where your weaponsmith may be getting into more combat and you're going with a more combat oriented build. Maybe looking at that if as as an option for you know a way to have more recovery uh, ability. Yeah, I, I played a character with higher heal, and I knew we were going to a major combat the next day, and so I bumped up as much as I possibly could, and I got like three extra recovery tests, and I had planned out. Yeah. Okay, if I can take a minute out of combat, rest up a little bit, I can go do another recovery test, and I can get back in. And so we did plan mm-hmm. that combat rather well. I took full advantage of that, no doubt, because those last for 24 hours. Yeah. So you've got, as long as you can pull them off, yeah, you can go. Yeah, right. <laughs> so digging that. Uh, and then Heartening Laugh. Um, works, I mean, sort of along similar lines to, to Battle Shout. This is more of a support your, your mm-hmm. friends. Uh, again, looking at the Weaponsmith as a, as a stolid, stalwart, like, support character. Having Heartening Laugh to basically help your friends shake off or resist the, the fear effects of horrors or, or other nasties that might be trying to do stuff to you. Makes a lot of sense. Exactly. And Iron Constitution, is that renamed or is that brand new? I, uh, Iron Constitution, I think, is a renamed thing. Let me, I don't remember off the top of my head what that does. Um, <laughs> That's the reason I had to ask. Oh, it's a it's a bonus to um, basically you, you it's an enhancement to toughness mm. to resist um, poison and disease. Oh, so it's probably like resist poison, resist disease rolled into Iron Constitution then. Yeah, so this is the only instance you will find in Earth Dawn where you hear the word Constitution, at D and D mainstay. Yeah, well, it, well, it was originally I think it was originally might be might have been called resist mm-hmm. poison. And it only did poison, yeah. and we expanded it to cover disease as well, and then consequently we had to rename it, and Iron Constitution was a name that was available, so we cool. used it. It also can be used when you are making a recovery test to heal damage inflicted by poison or a disease. Nice. So it is a... Very versatile. A way that, like, if you would get hit by a damaging poison, like, say, from a ghoul or something along mm-hmm. those lines... Um, you can use the Iron Constitution to substitute for your normal toughness to heal that damage. Now, admittedly, that does require you perhaps to keep track a little bit of what damage is poison and what not, mm-hmm. if you really want to be a stickler about it. But it's a it's a little bit of a, you know, another like recovery boosting along the lines of fire blood and, and yeah. things like that. And since so the next talent I'm going to get to in a second or so, since we've talked about haggle and first impression and conversation and diplomacy, leadership, as you've mentioned, yeah, a community figure is a natural mm-hmm. fit in there for, yeah. especially if you want to be the level-headed thinker among your brash new party. You're the weaponsmith. Yep. You're used to standing on your feet all day long. You know how to take your time at something and make a plan on how to not only create something from scratch or raw materials, how to fix something and the proper way to attack that. This just goes along with the leadership ability. And that could play into, like, if you're going for a sort of archetype of maybe an, an older weaponsmith who might not have necessarily been, like, an adept warrior, mm-hmm. but might have been a soldier or something like yes. that, and has retired to be a smith, yes. but has that yeah. ability to step forward and lead a company in the defense of the village and, and things. I Again, like, archetypes oh, galore kind of going on with that. Again, love weaponsmiths. Cannot gush about them enough. And then, of course, missile weapons. Missile weapons is an option. And my question is, why not throwing weapons? Because I, I'm not sure the, of the reason on okay. that. I just had to ask the question for anybody else who's listening. So, <laughs> um, you know, it, it's it's more or less 
making an option available for them for range and missile weapons was the choice. No, I think just because you think you know me as a weaponsmith, I only do these two things, weapons and armor and shields, that's it? Uh-uh, no, I'm going to just blow yeah, but they would... a little bit and hit you to distance. <laughs> sure, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, you know, th- throwing weapons could po- could potentially be in there, and I would not have a problem if somebody really conceptually wanted to just do throwing weapons instead of missile weapons as yeah. an optional talent and take it yeah. by all means. I don't think that's that's a problem in, in any real anything. way. And last and certainly not least is resist taunt, which potentially could have been a discipline talent for them, but there wasn't no, space fair. for it. And I think that brings back the the, the word of the night stalwart. So. <laughs> Yeah, as we've dis- well, as we've discussed with with other disciplines, for the most part, all of the defensive, active defensive talents show up as either discipline talents or options for most of the disciplines. Yes. And obviously, as a social character, resistant, you know, as having a social theme to them, having resistant available makes a lot of mm-hmm. sense. It is not necessarily something that perhaps a more like stay at home, non adventuring weaponsmith might necessarily okay. need. But it's something that that should be an option, and so yeah. there it is. So this is not, not only a way to make your player character weaponsmith, this is kind of how to have an NPC weaponsmith that people visit a lot. Yeah, I mean, that's that's one of the things, like, you know, when, when, when you're looking at sort of a, a setting, sort of the setting considerations as well, yes. like looking at them not just as player characters, but also as setting considerations. If you are going to have disciplines that are important to the culture and community to some extent, like the weaponsmith is, like the troubadour is, you want to look at their design, not just as, well, how can I make this the most effective adventuring player character? But you also want to make sure that there are things in their toolkit that would make sense for a non-adventuring, you know, for for an NPC style, stay at home, Mm -hmm. patron kind of thing. And so... You know, several of the, you know, like like a like the the weaponsmith that runs the forge in the town that the characters are based out of is probably not likely to have, you know, fire blood and shield bash and earth skin and like the combat mm-hmm. talents. They're going to have probably haggle and, you know, and <laughs> converse. Well, conversation is this yeah, one, yeah. but but haggle and diplomacy and you know, and, and some of the stuff like that, you know, they may have some other things yeah, to like, you know, help stuff, fill so. in. Like they might have, you know, they, they might have missile weapons, yes. you know, as, as an additional thing and whatnot. But so, so those are all, you know, you, so you kind of need to look at that consideration as well when you're like figuring out when you are going to have a, a selection of options mm-hmm. like that, that the options are available that a, an NPC version of that kind of community yeah. figure is workable. Even even if necessarily not a lot of player characters might go that route, which is a shame because yes, you should. And I, like I said, my first character is a weaponsmith. Change things my up a little bit. Brother's last character was a weaponsmith, so I am fully on board. And every single time somebody says, "Yeah, well, if this character doesn't work out, I'll make a weaponsmith next." And so it's always like somebody's second option. And I absolutely love the fact that there is a discipline like this in this game, because as you said, they are not yeah. frequent and they are not common in a lot of other games, technological or not. In, in terms, in terms of a, in terms of a player character archetype, I mean, you, you, you have there that you will have occasionally like things like the artificer um, shows up in, in D and D from time to time, which is sort of a crafting based character. I don't really know much about it. I Fair. will be honest. So I, I can't comment on its validity I, as a, as a player character choice. I couldn't have named it. So you're good. 
but but just just having that as a as an archetype within the core disciplines presented from the beginning says something about the yes. setting of of the game and how that is and you know and the flavor text of them is that weaponsmiths are important they are valued they are wor- worthwhile in in a in a maybe slightly different way but similar way to how troubadours mm-hmm. might be regarded yeah, because like i said item history is that important in the setting to know the legends well, and histories right. of the stuff that you find. Sure. So yeah, between wizards right. and, and but like yeah. but I mean that but but I mean even even that from a from a gameplay standpoint in terms of the like finding magic items and you need to unlock the information about them in order to yes. use them. Obviously that that is really important in the terms of the typical like player character goal gameplay mm-hmm. cycle. But even setting that aside, when you're looking at the role of a weaponsmith within the setting for a lot of normal people within bar save, especially in the smaller towns and villages out in the wilds, a weaponsmith is likely to be the most common source, the most common magic that they will interact Mm -hmm. with troubadour, you know, as well, depending on, on where they are and, and whatnot. But, but that, you know, setting aside quest doors, which have their own different kind of flavor of things, the you know the magic of a weaponsmith is likely to be the most common interaction that most normal people have with an adept yeah. with magic you know aside from the wandering people that come in and tend to bring trouble in their wake <laughs> um, that doesn't happen but yeah so <laughs> no. the 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 weaponsmith we we had mentioned it kind of multiple times going through these talents yes. and stuff there's a lot of like solid dependable mm-hmm stalwart like that's that's really like those archetypes and ideas that go along with the you know with the with the sort of blunt honesty Mm -hmm. of of the smith characters and that is called out to an extent in the um in the essay yes uh in the adept's way Mm -hmm. to a certain extent um that they don't tend to truck with deception or fancy words you know or things like that yes you know, so so like I was saying about, yeah, they have many of the same kind of talents as Troubadour as far as the social skill set goes. Mm-hmm. But the way that they present them and the way that those manifest from a weaponsmith are going to be different than they are from Vastly. a Troubadour or a Swordmaster or, you know, any other character that might have those sorts of things. Yeah. There's the... Well, um could be a great orator, a weaponsmith. I know that. <laughs> Well, I mean, they, they, they can, yeah, they can be, but the type of oratory and whatnot that they are going to give is going to be less like, you know, Henry V St. Christmas Day speech, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and more of a like solid, supportive, good word. Yeah. So yeah, they're, you know, important attributes uh, for a weaponsmith, Mm -hmm. perception, charisma, Willpower. A lot of the, you know, and, and willpower. Yes. Dexterity, um, obviously, if you're going to be going with a more combat direction with them. Mm-hmm. Can't hurt. A, dexterity can't hurt, <laughs> um, obviously. I mean, dexterity is kind of broadly useful to anybody. Yes. But if you're going to be going a more combat route, you probably want to pay a little bit more attention to your dexterity. Mm-hmm. With the defensive and and support talents, um, you probably maybe if you again go if you're talking about the combat direction, don't necessarily need to worry about toughness so much because you've got talents that um, help overcome any shortcomings that you might have mm-hmm. there. But yeah, like help a lot with all of those social talents you've got. 
Yeah, char- charisma is going to be helpful. I mean, you know, uh, again, well, well, actually, no, charisma is listed first as the important. Charisma attribute. is, yeah. yeah, charisma is listed is is an important attribute. Many of their uh, all of the social talents are based off of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, their role as a community figure and a social person, even if maybe for your particular build, you might not have a lot of those optional social talents. There is still a strong kind of charisma role. Weaponsmiths again can can make depending on the makeup of your party might be a good like front man or party face or leader yeah. um, for the group uh, in that yeah. regard. Um, certainly make a, a really good, like if you've got somebody else who is a better leader, mm-hmm. the, the weaponsmith as a second in command or Lieutenant to support them yeah. is, is really good. The one thing that you'll want to keep in mind as the, as the weaponsmith, and this gets into the downtime stuff that we kind of alluded to all the way, like an hour ago, <laughs> If you are going to have a weaponsmith player character in your game as a GM, you are going to want to keep in mind that you that they will want to have notable chunks of downtime between adventures, mm-hmm. like more than you would normally want because they'll need to do their own like raising talents and circling up and whatnot, but also will their player characters will want to like their fellow party members will probably want them to work on their weapons and whatnot to enhance them. Um, and that takes time. Yes. And I can recognize again, without getting into the forge blade forge weapon rabbit hole, <laughs> that is something that takes a significant time commitment. Yes. And there are knacks specifically designed to help overcome that. Once you get some experience under your belt, mm-hmm. because we recognize that as a valid potential complaint that people have, depending on the style of game that, that they're playing, yeah. which is all good. But you are not as a weaponsmith going to be you are a you are a specialist and a support character to an extent. Mm-hmm. You are not going to be doing the the flashy combat like heavy damage stuff that you're going to see from a warrior or a swordmaster or that sort of thing. You you certainly have the capability of doing damage, especially once you get in the journeyman circles and you get your spot armor flaw and some other stuff. Yes. But it is if you are are playing appropriately and you build talents, you can be a very good sort of like, especially if you've got a larger group and you've got a couple of really good frontline fighters, having the weaponsmith be one that maybe hangs back a little bit and helps protect magicians yes. and stuff like that from any any ones that, that come around nice um, is <laughs> make, making, yeah, bodyguard or, or second, you know, second rank fighter somebody who is just going to maybe occupy like not be out there like necessarily killing enemies Mm -hmm. but be there like tying them up so that they are not hitting on the squishier members of the party which is why the weaponsmith has the the weaponsmith has the tools to just stand there and and take Take it it. um (laughs) that that they don't get maneuver or anticipate blow yeah um you know they're gonna sit there Take the hit. They're yeah. They're gonna they're gonna stand there and and sort of be a, a wall of sorts to help protect, um, you know, to 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 do that. I, again, the you know, uh, it's it is a fantastic discipline. It is a unique discipline uh, in terms of of what it offers as far as opportunities go. Yes. But the the support that it provides is a little bit more subtle and long term. And I would also dare to say to add on to your thought is a it makes for a more complex character because of all the options you have at your disposal, combat heavy, social heavy, 
depends upon how you want to play it, where you want to get your character history from. If they were an old, a blacksmith on a farm, or as you said, the former soldier who's now retired and gone into the smith business. So, it, and they also have that commerce aspect to them as well. Yeah. Sometimes they just want to go make money. Every time they go into a new town, I'll, you know, give the, the weaponsmith at that forge a couple of days off, go make the run money. Turn the forge back over. Yeah, what, one of the one of the things that 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 kind of en- ends up happening broadly with the fourth edition and the talent options that are available in terms of that design paradigm mm-hmm. is that you you see quite a bit more overlap between different characters, like different disciplines. Yes. You know, like in first edition, there was not necessarily quite so much overlap in terms of the talents that that disciplines had because they only had so many and there were fewer talents in their overall list because there were not any, you know, or whatever. And they were fixed at at certain points. So there was less overlap. But there's because we have more options that are available, you obviously can't pick everything that's on your options list. Mm -hmm. But because there are more options available without exploding the list of possible talents and coming up with a whole bunch of different kind of maybe watered down variations on stuff. There's a lot more overlap and part of the design goal on that. And I feel this was the case in third edition as well, Mm -hmm. but not necessarily as, as cleanly expressed because it was the first time that they were playing around with it was to allow people not only to customize their, their characters in the way that they want in terms of the flavor of style, Mm -hmm. but also to, if you have a group to make sure that there is a potential for things to get covered from both a physical combat, social engagement, role playing mm-hmm. and like intellectual, magical research standpoint yes. um, to have all of those potentially covered to greater or lesser extents by different disciplines. Yeah. Like if you don't if you don't have a troubadour in your group. Mm-hmm. But you have a weaponsmith and your group is is well represented in, say, like combat types. It makes a lot of sense maybe to develop. I mean, again, depending on the group style of play to develop your weaponsmith to kind of fill a social slash research role that would normally perhaps be filled by a troubadour. Yeah. So if you can't get a party of six players together with six different characters to fill every all of your needs, you've got three. You got to cover or a lot four of ground. or yeah, whatever. You got, you got to cover you know. a lot of ground with all those characters. I see your point. Or, or you know, again, if you if your group doesn't have a thief, but you're going to be playing a game that's got care delving and whatnot, mm-hmm. you've got you know the craftsman ability and the awareness and the danger sense and the trap stuff yeah. that that kind of fits at least a certain amount. You know, again, it'll be expressed differently than it is from a thief. Yeah. Because someone else may have the detect trap, but the weaponsmith has a disarm trap, and so you can work as a team, and that encourages the role playing back well, and forth. But but well, so the so yeah, this is important in fourth edition is that there is no separate detect trap ability. Oh, we hadn't gotten to the thief. Yet. Detect traps. <laughs> detect traps is a, is a function of awareness, but in right. order to use awareness to detect traps, you need to have the disarm trap talent yes. for the most part. Mm-hmm. So, so basically, rather than again like trying to pare down on the number of required talents to do stuff. Mm-hmm. The, then that's that's something it does. So if you are going to be care diving and you don't have a thief to handle the traps, your weaponsmith can do that as a function of his ability as a craftsman and enchanter to a certain extent. We didn't talk about enchanting at all. No. The weaponsmith does have access to a whole bunch of enchanting abilities mm-hmm. um, that are that are all sort of available as knacks later yeah. on. Look in the companion, the enchanting chapter for that. So that is a whole other realm of stuff that, geez, we're an hour 15, an hour 20 in here at this point, you know. Yeah. 
we could we could talk about weaponsmiths for another two hours and be fine. <laughs> yeah, we we probably could um, without even getting down the forged weapon rabbit hole. Yes, yes. So we will. So we will. I think wrap up there. <laughs> we will put the the final the final uh, touches the the final the final nail in yes. on that. Um, see, I'm, yeah. I'm digging for my the nail. In the, you you dig for your words at the beginning. I dig for my little transitions at the end. Put our little nail in that horseshoe that the weaponsmith has forged and made enchanted. With so yeah, we'll we'll put the we'll put the <laughs> final nail in that in that project. And uh, definitely, um, the the weaponsmith is really cool. Yeah, and um, I really like them. They are not flashy. Um, but they are solid, dependable, and have a, a bunch of really nice tricks that can make them be an asset to any yeah. adventuring group. Exactly. Uh, and just along those lines, as you said, a little cultural thing, I, I can name Hephaestus and Vulcan, which mm-hmm. are the same guy. One's Roman, one's Greek. Right. Other than that. Yeah. But the, close, the most recent uh, example I can give of a weaponsmith of any kind is the giant in Thor Ragnarok when he needs to go get oh, yeah. Stormbringer. Yeah. So, yeah, there you are. Weaponsmith right there. <laughs> I mean, you know, again, it's an archetype that shows without, up in without the weaponsmith. We wouldn't have Mjolnir or Stormbringer. Yeah, it's it's a it's an archetype that shows up a lot, but is not often the focal character. They are not often the central yes. hero. They are often the support and the 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 whatnot. Yeah. So it's nice to see them given a role as a potential main protagonist uh, within the the adventuring milieu of Good of Earth Dawn, great words tonight. Look at all this smithing we're doing with, I, word, I... with wordplay. <laughs> Wordsmithing, doing exactly. some wordsmithing. All right. So if if you have any comments about about <laughs> weaponsmiths or any other questions, um, or if you hole. or if you want not to poke rabbit hole. if you want to poke the bear about the rabbit hole of of forge weapon, <laughs> you can um, email us. Send us an email edsgpodcast at gmail yeah. So we have to stop uh, talking and about thank you. <laughs> we we have to yeah, we have been going on for a little bit. Um so we will we will wrap up there. Um we will come back to weaponsmiths again, I'm sure, at some point. We will do some kind of discussion about forged yes, weapon. It'll have to happen. Because I, I think that I think that the I think there's a lot of useful design insights that can be gained from my going over the history of it and what I think the purpose of changes were and how they did or did not work. But again, that's like probably like a 40, 45 minute discussion all on its own. And (laughs) if we keep it brief. Um, No, I like I know all of the points on that very well. So if we can keep it somehow tidy. But yeah, that's a different thing. Yes. Otherwise, folks, thank you for listening. And now it's time for you to go make your own forged legend. Forge your own legend. 